Hello and welcome to the Mastermind Body and Spirit Show. I'm your host, Matt Belair. We are facing extreme censorship alongside many other truth seekers out there. If you want to support the show, please go over to mattbelair.com and sign up for the email list. Become a member of the community by donation or free to access exclusive and censorship-free content. And most importantly, consider doing three kind acts today wherever you are in the world. Today's guest is a clinical psychologist with a doctorate from Azusa Pacific University, practicing in the East Bay area and leading conferences and retreats around the globe. Between his years in private practice, hospital work, and eight years as a mental health staff sergeant in the US Army, he's empowered hundreds of individuals, families, organizations, and teams to develop authentic relationships and grow into their best selves. He is the author of the new book, Choose Better, The Optimal Decision-Making Framework. Welcome to the show, Dr. Timothy Yen. I'm so excited to be here, Matt, ready to have some truth-seeking conversations. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm excited to have you on the show. Uh, your book dropped today, so maybe that's why I aced the intro. It's, it's very rare that it goes that smoothly. So uh, I'm is. honored to have you here, man. Congrats on la- uh, launching the book. I love the title. It's super important. So why don't we just talk a little bit about your journey, like uh, being in the Army, um, you know, all the mental health work you've done, being a psychologist, the crazy times we're in. I don't even know where to get started, but let's start with a little bit about you and then we'll dive into the book and the work. Well, it sounds like you want an origin story and I'm <laughs> sure you don't want me to go too far back to like kindergarten or something. So maybe maybe we'll start with my, my career development. And the funny story behind that is I never wanted to be a psychologist. Like that was not, I didn't know that existed. Let's just put it out that way. I wanted to be a news anchor. I think that was like my dream job. Like I wanted to report the news and I enlisted in the army hoping to be a journalist. Turns out I'm super colorblind. Like, and I didn't even know this. It like suddenly hit me that I was super colorblind and journalist (laughs) off, off the list. Apparently you need color vision to be a journalist. So what did I have left over? Mental health. Mental health does not see colors. So I was like, that sounds like a pretty sweet gig. People just tell me their soft stories and I just listen, I nod, I chit chat with them and they pay me, done, sign me up. And then of course, when I started doing it, I was like, oh, there's a lot more to this job. People are really hurting, like this, this, this stuff actually works. And so when I did it, did a stint in the army, loved the work, found it super meaningful and, and transformative. I was like, hey, I gotta go back to school get equipped so I can do this for real. So that's how I landed becoming a psychologist. Wow. Well, I love the brief origin story. You know, I wouldn't mind if we went back to kindergarten, but uh, you know, it's kind of funny. Yeah. I would, how long, how old were you when you figured out you're colorblind? You know, officially <laughs> by the government, 17 and a half. Oh, that's wow. when they diagnosed me. They gave me the, the ugly stamp on my, my MEPS paperwork. They're like, this kid can't do hundreds of jobs because he's colorblind. Well, you know, this is a, this this is a side note, but like, you know, I've had that like 
inquiry, like imagine blue to you was like yellow to someone else. And even giving you this example is ridiculous that you're legally colorblind, but maybe the sound of like a flute is a drum to someone else. You know what I mean? It's just like yeah. how we perceive reality is, is very interesting. And so you're an expert in this going into mental health. So um, I love the title of the book, The Optimal Decision Framework. So let's begin with why do I constantly make poor decisions? Matt, how much time do we have? Where, 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 where do we start? We're going to need a day yeah. seminar. That, that's going to be a, a workshop on its own. I mean, in, in the book, I definitely illustrate some, some key reasons why people make poor choices. And, and the book really is geared toward two types of people, if you want to call it that. It's the indecisive person that can't make a call, doesn't make a choice, or the person that makes a choice too quickly without actually thinking through, is this really what I want to do? And there's all sorts of reasons why people don't make decisions. And there's all sorts of reasons why people make them impulsively and later on regret it. So I can definitely dive into some of the, the mindset kind of stuff. Sometimes it's emotions that kind of, what I say about emotions is it's great to have as a passenger, but not great as a driver, like if it's the main driver and you kind of forsake the rest of the thought process, then we are more likely to make regrettable choices. Uh, family backgrounds, taboo things, not wanting to be judged, uh, fear of disapproval. There, there's all sorts of reasons why people don't make authentic choices. Right. Yeah. Well, I think that there's, there's a lot out there. Like when I'm working with a lot of people, um, a lot of time if we're working on their life purpose or something like that, it's fear and they get into indecision, especially when they're good at something because they feel personally attached to what they're putting out. Um, mm -hmm. And so they kind of get stuck in that. So that's not ideal, but maybe you can, yeah, you, you, you breached, broached it a little bit, but what is like the basis of you seen of when we make a poor decision? Because I feel like um, mistakes are okay. You know what I mean? We learn yeah, as humans, as long as we're um, moving in a direction that we're, you know, we're making the decision, we honor it. It's not harming anyone. You know, it comes from a good space and we fail. That's a part of life. Um, but what, like, what constitutes just like a poor decision? And you're like, oh man, I regret that one. What the hell was I thinking? A big one I would say is doing something that goes against your own integrity and your own values that's when we start getting into that poor choices category. You're absolutely right, Matt. People make mistakes. And I'll go as far as to say some lessons need to be learned through trial and error and making some of these mistakes, which in some ways is not a mistake. It's just part of the process of learning and getting more clear and getting more refined. But the poor choices that I'm talking about are things that in your right mind, when you were calm and collected, you would never make that choice. But then when there is other people involved and you're afraid that they're going to uh, disapprove or reject you or wh whatever other social pressures may be in the mix, then people hold back. They don't say the thing that they really wanna say. They don't do the thing that they know is the right thing to do. That would be the realm of poor choices. Got it. Well, I feel like that's a, a really challenging time right now to be authentic. You know, there's a lot of, um, a lot of anger, 
um, upset. You know, the, the middle ground, I feel like has kind of disappearing. You know what I mean? We're not, we're not hearing each other out. We're not hearing that side of the story. Um, and I've experienced it a lot and I try to remain authentic and open to other people's views. Um, but at the end of the day, I also don't want to, um, bow down to your view. If I don't agree with it, you have to present a better argument. Right. And so, mm -hmm. but the, the cost of that has been very high for me personally and to just you know, speak my integrity with being kind and compassionate, but also saying, hey, you need to look at this. And this is why I'm shaping that view. So um, it's a very challenging time for people. I'm curious if you can um, cover this, um, you know, you call it cover your basis, the framework for optimal decision making. And, and I would love that because I feel like when we're, when I'm working with people, when I'm talking to a lot of people, they, they want the best thing, right? They always want the very best decision they can do. And what I found over time with leaders and high performers is they just do something. <laughs> you know what I mean? They do the best sure. thing that's available to them. And in the action is, is most of the growth. And over time, they'll say, you know, a hundred days later, it's like, I just tried a hundred things. Uh, 50 of them were ridiculous and stupid. Um, you know, 10 of them were all right. You know, you know, 15 were okay. And then like these 10 were really good. And so now they have a lot to, um, to work with and move forward. So I'd be curious about the framework that you offer to people. Well, let me make a, a quick note on that. And then I'll give an overview on what this framework is in, in terms of kind of a quick overview, but I was thinking for the, the high performer that buys a hundred things. And like you said, 50 of them work. 15 flop terribly and there's some like neutral 25. I don't know if I did the math right. I think I'm missing 10. And, and with all that, if the value is, hey, I wanna grow. I wanna see what's possible. I wanna know what's optimal. If that value is at the core of that person, then it's not about the quote unquote mistakes or, or discovering that something doesn't work. It's the very fact that he's being true to his value of personal growth. And this is just a vehicle in getting there. So it's not, so that my framework, maybe this is a good segue, which is the framework is not about making a decision and not making any mistakes. It's not like a guarantee type of, hey, if you follow my four step formula, you're gonna just arrive flawlessly. You're not gonna get hurt. There's gonna be no regrets. What I am offering is the framework will definitely decrease the probability of headache and heartache that you could avoid because you thought it through. Tim, so, I just I just want the magic yeah. pill, man. I don't I don't want to have to. I just want the magic pill. One hundred, you know, it's like shooting a basketball shot. Well, one hundred percent of the shots to go in. Well, I I appreciate you framing it like that, and that's how. Uh, we know like it's an honest framework, right? Because I feel like a lot of the stuff out there is like, this is the perfect foolproof system, never fail. And mm -hmm. that's the words I use very consistently is like applying this process um, optimizes and increases your uh, probability greatly without it. Yes. Um, you know, you're not going to have that same probability. So it's a really great frame to put it in. And, and yeah. the key is action too, right? Like do it. Yes. Yes. And, and there is necessary pain. And then what I would argue, there is some extra bonus pain that really could have been avoided <laughs> if you just took a, a few seconds to think through what you're doing. Uh, and so this book will hopefully avoid some of the extra pain, but there is necessary pain to go uh, through when we do make the optimal choice. 
That's so funny. I actually, when I was in cars, I worked in cars a long time ago and we, we would sell them and it was like the wild, wild west with these guys. They came from like a very fascinating backgrounds, very eclectic group of people. Mm-hmm. And um, when we would do something stupid and pay money for it, I would just call it the stupid tax. Whether whatever we did, it was like an extra bonus tax or being a dummy that you have yeah. to pay. And it's just a part of playing that game. So uh, I don't know why I want to chime in with that. It just reminded me of the stupid tax. So please continue yes. with the framework. Well, please, let's not pay stupid taxes. That, that, that's ideal. If, if people can use the framework, there's going to be a lot less stupid tax that gets paid. That being said, let me jump into the framework. So the framework is essentially a type of protocol or a way to think through any sort of decision. And it, it applies for big decisions, little decisions, and everything in between. As you can probably guess, the little decisions, you may not need the full bandwidth of the framework to arrive at a decision, but definitely the ones that I think my readers are interested in in your audience is the big ones. It's the ones that have like real severe consequences depending on what direction they decide to go. And so the framework is gonna be really helpful for those kind of decisions, situations, challenges. And simply put, there is four parts, what I call the four pillars of the framework. And essentially they're questions. There, there, are, there are four questions that you're asking yourself before you decide to do anything. So pillar number one is your emotions, your feeling. And the, and the question that you ask is, what are my emotions telling me? And I start with emotions because it's the thing that's gonna hit you the fastest. If it's gonna be important, if it matters to you, you're gonna feel a certain way. The more important it is, the stronger you're going to feel about it. And we're talking anywhere from anger to, to sadness to, to joy, disgust, anything, right? Any sort of feeling that comes up, it's as a result of something that's important. So a lot of times, I don't know if it's culture that there are certain cultures that are very, um, you don't like feelings or they don't like select feelings, let's just put it that way. They're <laughs> taboo feelings that people should not feel or express. And I make the argument that the feelings are not the problem. The feelings are your friends. Your feelings are telling you something really important. Kind of like your, your car analogy. In a way, it is the, the engine light on your dashboard. And I mean, you could put a sticker over it and just pretend that the light never came on, but who's that really gonna screw over? You, right? Like you're going to be in the middle of the freeway with no, the next rest stop is in 200 miles. And that's when your engine's going to blow up. Yeah. That's when you pay the stupid tax. That's right. Stupid, (laughs) stupid. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) And so emotions is one of those things where I'm like, Hey, if you're feeling it, it must be important. Take a little time to understand what the feeling is trying to tell you. And I illustrate, I actually go through the, the seven universal feelings and there are, there's a function behind every single feeling. There's no random feelings. Like feelings all serve a purpose. There's a function behind it. You know, I'll use the one that's probably most uh, common for people would be anger. As we talked about our political climate, anger is a very strong one that, that people face. And anger, bottom line, is about justice. Right? Anger is about justice or injustice. We feel anger when something doesn't feel fair, right? Something is wrong. And so anger is something that gets triggered in our brain that tells us 
hey, you need to fight for this. Like you need to fight for what's right. You need to change what is wrong. Uh, sometimes it's about protection. It's about making sure that you keep yourself safe. So if anger is the thing that's popping up for you, you got to ask the question, what is the injustice? What is the thing that you feel is unfair? It should not be that way. And that can get you a whole lot closer to, to what's really going on rather than just acting on the anger without much thought. I elaborated a lot, but that, that's pillar one. Pillar number two is values of self, which is what is meaningful and important to you. And all of us have a different configuration in terms of like what really matters to us and what doesn't. And some of it is these kind of lofty ideas about integrity, loyalty, adventure, right? Some of these kind of abstract type of values. And then there's smaller things like your preferences. I prefer strawberry ice cream over chocolate. That's the truth. So I value strawberry over chocolate, right? So it could be something small as well, but that goes into the, the personal growth work. Do you know thyself? If you know yourself, then you have a metric to compare your decision-making. Is it aligned with what matters to me or am I putting on a false self and acting kind of acting the fool and, and being someone that I'm not? And if that's true, why? Why are you doing some of those things? So the values of self is really important as a metric. Pillar number three is values of others, meaning that in most of our situations, it involves other people. And just because it's important to you, doesn't mean it's important to them. So it's important to ask the questions and get to know, hey, how can I create a win-win situation, ideally, when I make this decision? Can I incorporate and care about what other people care about? And so that's pillar number three. Pillar number you, four you, is, yeah, do you, do you distinguish um, like family and friends in that or community in general or kind of weave them all in and then like, you know, if you're going to make a decision, you have a family, you want to think about what their values are and things like that also the community and 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 broadly it's great because it 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 invites uh cooperation and mindfulness mm -hmm. of others and, and how it benefits yes. and if and if it doesn't pass that you know litmus test there and that decision is harming others in some sort of way at least at this point you can kind of factor that in so how can i you know because that might shift your same idea but shift it a little bit so it's more cooperative for the environment, you know, because my community is going to be different than your community or family or yes. friends or whatever the scenario is. And so um, when you consider that, it, I think it makes it, it gives an opportunity to really make it a, a more cohesive and cooperative decision. True. Yeah. Because I don't want this framework to be, how can I be the most selfish possible and get everything that I want, right? Like that, that's not the framework. The framework is, hey, how can I make the optimal decision, meaning that it's a win-win kind of situation. It, it blesses me, but it definitely blesses other people as the optimal. Of course, I know that there are situations where it's not always the case and, and we're going to have to make tough calls. Leaders always have to make those kind of tough calls where it's not a cute red bow over the present neatly wrapped. And, but at least you're considering it. That's part of the framework. At least you're thinking about other people and how your decisions are going to impact them. So that's why pillar three is really important. Yeah. And then lastly, right, the, the part four or, or pillar four is what I lovingly call reality factors, which is like 
this is just what is essentially. So uh, the analogy I always use is gravity, right? You don't have to believe in gravity. You may not understand gravity, uh, but if you walk off a cliff, you will experientially know gravity because <laughs> you're got to be on the ground, right? So, so it, those are certain things that are not about opinion or preference. It's just about the reality. These are things that you want to consider. And I, I kind of group in there uh, cultural norms, uh, your, your environment, there's just other things, tax law, whatever, right? There's just certain things that are just there that we may want to consider as a data point when we make a decision because there are reality factors in whatever setup we're in. And then when you take all the data points, the so kind of pillars one through four, then naturally, or my hope is, naturally you're gonna come up with some options. Some good options, some mediocre options, some poor ones, but you're gonna come up with some options. And through that process, when you're considering those data points, and then you refer it back to your values of self, then you have the optimal decision for this situation. And is it gonna work out 100%? Not necessarily, but at least you gave it the due diligence to make the best choice you could, considering these factors. That's the framework. I love that. That's awesome. It's it's super simple and concise. And I feel like everything good and meaningful as far as tools is always simple. Uh, I like to give the analogy of strong legs, do squats. You know what I mean? Simple, it works. Uh, obviously do them right or you get yourself injured, but um, you yeah. know, it works really, really well. And so a lot of people have, I've never really heard of a decision making framework. I have read some books and articles back in the day. I can't even remember now about, you know, how to make decisions and things like that. And when I think about it, I think of it mixing a little bit of intuition with the emotion of my vision, right? Is, is the vision I can create aligned or is this decision within my integrity? You know, what's the mm -hmm. highest integrity this can decision? Um, what, what would it be if I'm in my integrity, if I'm taking into account what is in the other person, all the environment, um, you know, what is the best decision? But there are also big decisions in people's lives, like if they're going to, um, get a new job or how they design their life or are going through uh, a struggle, you know? And so I think in your book here, you talk about um, courage and working through fears. And I feel like if we want to expand as a human being, we're always expanding into our potential, right? You know, actually, I'll, I'll give you this example. It's like from extreme sports, I would be training people uh, to do very dangerous tricks, right? It's, it's a limit of their skill. Like, do you want to do a backflip? over this uh, 60 foot jump? Or do you wanna try this very hard trick on your snowboard down a rail and uh, you could be toast? And so the decision when to do it, what kind of mindset you're in, the courage to kind of push your limits and abilities, um, as an athlete, they tend to do that. And I feel like the general public often, they don't really push their boundaries very much. And when I was teaching ex extreme sports, it's like, it's preparation, dedication, mindset. So once you're kind of like pushing that thing, you're like, all right, did you prepare? Are you in the right mindset? Is it possible? Can you get in the state where you believe it? You know, you need to have that bit of courage, but you don't want to go way outside your realm of like, you've never hit uh, a 10 foot jump. So don't try the 60 foot jump yet. You're going to kill yourself. So, um, you that would, know, that would be a stupid tax, right? That, yeah, that would be a stupid tax move. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. And that's, that's going to cost you. It's going to be, you're going to probably end up having some pain or some injuries. And so with all that kind of muddled example that I've given you, I'm curious how you would recommend applying the framework to people who are maybe trying to make a big decision in their life, 
they want to pursue their like a vocation. A lot of people are in shifting, right? A lot of lost jobs, a lot of reevaluating their life from the top bottom. Like, Tim, my life just exploded. Like, how can I start to integrate this framework and the courage piece to kind of at least start to move my life in in a more optimal uh, direction? I don't want to be unsympathetic. So I know when people are in that dark place where, like you said, their, their life has just literally or figuratively exploded and, and they're not really sure uh, if there's any good from what's happening. It is hard. It is really hard to, to, to see the good and to move forward. That being said, I think that's why this framework exists because the, the framework is not about uh, like how you feel and think or, or what's happening in the world. It's it's kind of cutting out all the unnecessary noise of the panic or the fears and, and saying, hey, let's actually work through the feeling. Let's work through the values and, and work through these reality factors to make the best decision that I can. And sometimes your options are great. I'm, I'm not gonna BS with you. They're, they're not great options at times, but there's still something optimal that you can do. And I don't wanna be, overly optimistic, but I also want to say that the silver lining with what's going on in our world that is really just being shaken from the ground up is that people are forced to think about what they want to do with their lives for the first time. And and it's forcing them to reevaluate because as human beings, we are typically creatures of comfort and our, our brains are programmed that way, that if it's comfortable, then what is it? Don't, don't fix it if it's not broke kind of idea. Like just keep doing it. Just keep doing what you're doing. Even if it's completely subpar below your potential, but if it doesn't hurt, if it seems like it's still working, then keep doing the nine to five job or keep, keep doing this thing that you can do, but it's really below what you're capable of or your dreams. And, And because of all this shaking and disruption, this is a great time to, to leverage this shaking upness and ask yourself the real important questions. What is it that I want? What is going to make my life uh, matter in terms of the way that I live it? So I don't necessarily think it's, it's all tragedy. It's all bad. I think it actually forces breaks on people's lives that have been in the hamster wheel quite frankly, for maybe decades. This is all they've known. They've never really questioned it any other way. My dad used to do that. My granddad used to do it. But now that what's going on in the world is like, oh, well, that's just not an option right now. Like, that's not how we're going to operate. Then it forces people to grow. Well, I take that back. Growth is a choice. You can't be forced to grow. You have to choose to grow. And, And this is an opportunity people can take to do it. I love all that. Very well said, you know, why growth is a choice. I've got to make it a note here. It's so true. You know, it's like, you can kind of hang on and get dragged like behind a bunch of horses and be like, I am not going to let go no matter what. And that's a really good analogy about uh, don't fix it if it isn't broken. And, and with doing 430, 40 podcasts, what I've noticed when people have like an awakening or, you know, basically the idea that 
I don't really like my life now. I just did it. And then it's like, oh, I mm. prefer my life now because I built it by design, by conscious choice, by my own definitions, my own value sets. There was nine times out of 10 was a catalyst, uh, injury, an illness, a loss of a mm. job, a loss of a partnership, something traumatic happened. And we're, we're getting that as a global community right now because, um, you know, what I've said from the beginning about this, um, the COVID thing, it's giving us an opportunity to extend our compassion, right? So yeah. we've got um, a certain amount of um, deaths that are happening. It's tragic. All death is, is not ideal, especially if it's someone um, that's close to you and it's a part of life. So we know that. Um, but we also know, and we've known for a long time, 9.1 million people die of starvation each year. 9.1 million, which trumps the, the COVID by a long shot. And as a society, we do have an opportunity to change that with a very simple remedy. It's not like we need to invent something out of nowhere, right? And so it's like, it's kind of like a reassessing, you know what I mean? It's like, okay, this isn't yeah. great. That's also not great. Okay, you know, take a pause, sit. Where do I fit into this? Where am I just, um, you know, going along because it's easy and it's like a global catalyst. So many people are getting shaken up to reevaluate and the wonderful thing about that is it's going to create so many opportunities for collaboration and it might be yes. simpler and it, what might not be the way that you imagined it and it might not be perfect, um, but it'll, it'll go on like fundamental needs because if you don't have your basic needs taken care of, you got to figure that out. Um, then you're going to base it also on your values. And I feel like it's this competition mindset um, that we've had with our cultures and different things that have really been um, challenging. Like you said at the beginning, like think about win-win, how can this support the community? How can this um, support the person with, that I'm with? And so what I'd like to ask is uh, what's your take on the courage aspect and overcoming that fear and like kind of stepping out or either doing it consciously, or even if it's, you know, by force and you're like, okay, this sucks. I'm going to move through the issue. I'm not going to ignore it. And I like how you said, like, it might be terrible, and I, and I say that too, to people is like, it might be challenging. Um, but if you think about it, like I've given some of my clients this thing, I'm like, well, just imagine, you know, you go blind, right. And you're blind for five years and you've got, a, you know, $10 million in the bank and they say, okay, well, you can keep that $10 million or you can have your site back and you're homeless. You start from scratch. Everybody takes the site because like they that. know they have the capability to build. You know, we're not, we're not engaging our full potential, but it, it doesn't need to be just the acquisition of material things. It needs to be the building of a meaningful vision, um, you know, and creation by your own uh, definition. And that might look different for every single person. Great thoughts, great thoughts. With courage, which is one of the, the last chapters in the book, I put that in there because even if you know the right answer, you know the right thing to do, it doesn't mean you'll do it. Humans are weird like that. I'm telling you, we're like, we're pretty irrational creatures. Like even <laughs> if the answer is right in front of you, we may not pull the trigger still. And, and, and so I put that courage piece in there because without the courage to, to take a risk and, and follow through with this decision, it was kind of for nothing. I mean, you went through all this work to identify this is what I want to do. This is what I need to do. But if you don't do it, then you don't see any of the fruits of, of that decision. And so my chapter really talks about understanding the, the sub layer, the deeper layer of the fear. And again, it kind of goes back to the emotions with fear or anxiety. 
it's really about protection. It's about keeping something potentially terrible from happening. And it's about control. Fear is really about control. It's about preventing something terrible from happening or harmful. But sometimes our brains are a little bit too sensitive to potential flight that we will rather just not take a risk to guarantee that we don't get hurt. When in fact, that's not even a guarantee. That, that goes back to the indecision. Part of indecision is just the fear of messing up or the fear of making a mistake. But indecision is a decision. It's a decision to not do anything. And sometimes it could delay the pain or it can just elongate the pain by not facing what it is that you need to do. So I really illustrate that in the book in understanding what is it that your fear is trying to protect you from and does it actually make sense? Like when you say it out loud, like does it actually make sense or is there a lot of what ifs, a lot of hypotheticals that would have to, like all the stars would have to align for that to happen for this worst case scenario to actually go down. And sometimes just the act of talking it through, either with the trusted other, with yourself, writing it down, most of our fears are not very probable. Possible, maybe, right? But not probable. And sometimes just by doing a little bit more research, because there are some unknowns about the consequences, ask some questions. Like if, if there's something you're not really sure about before you pull the trigger, it's okay. Go ask some questions. The last thought I have about courage is when you go through the framework and you did the work, right? Did the hard work of really thinking through, hey, is this something that I want to do? Is this the best choice? There will come a certain level of confidence built into that decision. Like, you know, it's not off a whim. It is very well thought out. And if the outcomes isn't the way that you hoped it would be, it is not a fault of your own. It's not because of some haphazard impulsive decision. It's, well, maybe I, I ended up missing something, but I did the best that I could. And there's some, some level of, of dignity and pride that you get by knowing that I did the best that I could. And most people couldn't say that. Look at, looked at themselves in the mirror and be like, I did the best that I could. No, I really didn't. Like, I, I definitely took some shortcuts. I didn't really do my best with the framework. I think it really increases that confidence in knowing you did the best you could. You made the best choice with the information you had at your disposal. Amazing. I absolutely love all that. I think it's so on point and especially the, the idea of like just addressing your fears and um, with the creatives, especially I like, cause it, the creatives, they deal with this, especially I go, okay, what's the worst case scenario. Right. And they kind of write it down if they want to do art or music or whatever the case is. And I say, well, let's just imagine that every, you put out this piece of work that you wanted to do, whether it's a new business or something, and everybody you love send you a handwritten letter about um, how terrible and awful it was and why you should mm -hmm. quit immediately. Now, if you can get to the place and I don't know how to do this, but if you can get to the place of peace in yourself to do it anyway, that's like the ultimate, that's not going to happen. Um, but what's important is that you're doing the thing and you're listening to your gut because you know, that's, that's what you need to listen to because you don't, you might not please your parents. You might not please um, other people. And, you know, you talked a little bit about the culture thing. And um, I just remember going to Burning Man and, you know, 
particularly the Asian culture, there was um, the camp we were in, I had like four people and they were telling me about their childhoods. And I was like, Oh my goodness. I was like, that's so, I was like, Holy smokes. I was like, you know, but like for me, I had, I had like this um, ability to experiment, to really go outside the lines. And they're like, we, we didn't have that. It was very regimented, pretty ruthless. And you're getting a doctor, you're getting this, you're getting that. I was like, Whoa, you know? And so um, the idea to disappoint family, right. And, and to go against because um, people and kids, they love their families, right. They respect their families. And so some people in, in cultures, it's much more intense. Um, same with some of my Indian friends and some of the Indian clients I've had, their culture was a bit more intense where everyone's a dentist, a doctor, a lawyer, and you want to do something like I'm going to go into business for myself and invent this thing. They're like, well, how guaranteed is that? You know what I mean? Is that, mm. is that a guaranteed thing? Cause this is guaranteed over here. And so for them to make that decision comes with a lot more emotional weight um, and yes. a lot more emotional challenge, you know? And so um, everybody kind of goes through something that's a little bit different, but I feel like if we can merge the, the feeling and emotion of our honest self, our integrity with understanding the factors and the risks and then kind of drawing it out and then taking, taking them head on, right. And mm -hmm. there's addressing them head on. It's what we can control. Right. Yeah. And I like to say like, okay, yeah, we always think about the failure and, and how that could work, but what if it works out or what if you fail and it's not as bad as you thought? Cause then that gives you a step and an experience to try again and try again. And you're going to build up your confidence and your community and your family and your friends are going to see that. And I've had this time and time again with people where they, they move into that and they didn't have the support initially, initially but it was gained as, as they gained the respect through the tenacity and through the will and through the vision that they created for themselves. They say, oh, well, they couldn't see the vision. Well, it wasn't their vision right? It's, it's only your vision. So that's where it comes. It's up to you to, to get into that integrity. You know what I mean? To get into that piece. And, and, and it's right. actually been a very common thing that I've had in coaching where people really didn't want to uh, disappoint their family or their loved ones, or sometimes their spouse. And, and that's kind of how I uh, frame it for them. You need to have direct conversations. You need to be very clear on what you're doing and why you're doing it. Right. And then, and then writing it all down. And usually there's a path forward. There's a step forward that yeah. honors all parties. And I think it's uh, really beautiful. So do you want to comment on that? That was kind of just more of a rant. No, it's great. And I was just thinking, it goes back to the third pillar about valuing others. The people in your life that are what we call killjoys or, or naysayers, they, they don't want you to venture off too far from this unproven path, so to speak. It comes from really good intentions, like, and, and there's something to be honored about that, where they're really speaking from their heart. They just don't want you to be a starving artist or whatever it is that they're they're afraid of. And and I think it's so important to, like you said, like listen to your heart and, and understand what what matters to you. But hopefully, you love those people enough to understand what their fears are about and, and to hear them out. And, and validate that, hey, I do appreciate and I honor how much you love me. And you don't want me to go through this pain, like this unnecessary pain. And I'm also letting you know that I have thought this thing through. It's just something that I need to do. If I don't do it, there's a part of me that's going to die. So, so I, I need you to know that my soul depends on it. I need to do this thing or, or pursue this kind of career path. I don't know what's going to happen to it, but I hope that you trust me enough to at least 
let me go, support me, right? Encourage me to, to try to sing out. And I, I don't know how often those conversations happen because once the individual feels all this resistance and people are being all these negative vibes about what you're doing, then they're like, all right, well, screw you then. Like, if that's how it's gonna be, then right, cut out my family. Like, I don't need them. I'm just gonna do my own thing. I'm like, well, it doesn't really, I mean, it works well for like soap operas and movies. Like it's very <laughs> dramatic, right? But it's very painful in real life. Like I don't think you, you have to go that route. In, in outlier cases, sometimes you do. But in most cases, it's just a, not a misunderstanding, but taking the time to understand one another could potentially uh, reconcile the relationship and, and it's, it's about, hey, I support you. I may not support your ideas, some of your crazy things that you're doing. And out of love, I just don't think it's going to work out. But because I love you, because I care about you, how about it, right? And, and, and that's such a, oh, that just gives a whole new level of confidence when we're able to have those important conversations. Yeah, that was really well said. And, and, you know, my upbringing was a little bit different, like same ideas, like it always comes from a loving place. Um, but my dad couldn't see the vision that I had. And so it like, it would kind of be shooting down my dreams, like that won't work, that won't work, that won't work. Sure. He wanted, you know, he's just like, well, do this, this, this path and this path is, you know, construction or a plumber or whatever, you know what I mean? It's like this, yeah. I understand this. I know that you'll be taken care of. Please do yeah. this. And what I shared with him, I was like, because of his work and the, and the opportunity that he has given me, I can see opportunities that his generation couldn't, right? Yeah, and so right. Um, when, when you understand from, from the person kind of feeling shot down, because it was hurtful, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I know like a lot oh, of yeah. people that I, that I spoke with, what they wanted to branch out, but they didn't want to hurt their parents or, their, or whatever it was. Um, they didn't want to hurt them. And, and it's all this kind of a... a it's an unfortunate thing. And it's interesting because it all comes from love. And so if we can understand yeah. that, right. And, and be honest and open, um, you know, we're going to, we're going to get farther. And like you said, if you get to that open space where they say, okay, you know what, let go ahead and try and fail. Um, but you know, at least we're having this open conversation and we, we still have that connection. We're honoring our family connections. We're honoring our community, we're, you know, and, and we're honoring the opportunity we have if your parents are supporting you um, or mm -hmm. if you're in that situation where, Maybe your parents don't support you and, and it's a different situation, but at least they're there mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, um, you know, in that way, you want to grow that connection because if you are going out on a limb and you are trying to create something unique or you're even actually, let's just cut any kind of like, um, you know, vision and like high hopes. If you're just trying to survive in this world, it's easier sure. to do with family and friends because it is hard enough as it is. Preach. Preach. I have, I have so failed true. so many times. I'm sure it's going to happen more. Um, but what I can say is, is that the relationship with my mom and my dad and, and, you know, it's been rocky at times, but I know that he's there for me, right? My, probably has never seen the vision of life that I could imagine for myself. Um, yeah. But I knew he was there for me and um, life is challenging. And so when we work together, the more people we can work together with, whether it's our friends or family, it's going to make it more possible, more pleasurable. And when you fall, you don't fall as far as you might think you would. And if you yeah. do, you're going to have community help get you up. You know what I mean? It's not going to be the end of the world. So that's kind of like a, I don't know, like a hopeful rant, but you know, we're, we're going for it. We're trying to get our dreams. I we're trying, trying to navigate family situations, culture. Yes. And, and I actually noticed too, interestingly enough, even your best friends, 
when you want to uh, create the vision, it's not that they don't want you to succeed. It's just, they can't see it either. So often I'll say, Hey, it's not their vision. Yeah. It's not, it's not their, their vision. vision. Right. They're like, Oh, you know, I'm going to take this army job. And I'm going to get this psychiatrist. I'm going to go write a book and start my own business and be like, that's stupid. <laughs> Why? Why would you do that? Would it's do so that? much easier way to make money. Yeah. yeah. Why would you do that? Yeah. You're throwing everything away. You're throwing your life away. Oh God. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, and, and to be honest, even with the vision stuff, I mean, for myself, I wouldn't say that, Hey, one day I woke up and this path opened up and I, I know this is where I want to go. This is what I need to do. I wish, I mean, that'd be really nice. But I think life is so much more like like GPS coordinates. Like you just kind of know what the next turn is. Like in 300 feet, make the right turn. Like that, yeah. that's kind of all I can focus on. I sure I have this, I want to go to Disneyland. I want to go to this place, but I don't know. Like I don't have a roadmap to how I'm going to get there, but I have enough GPS coordinates to, to know my next step. And so sometimes, I mean, I'm, I'm going to throw my wife in the mix. Like when I talk to my wife, Sometimes I throw out some of these grandiose ideas and she's going to be the one that's like, so how's that going to happen? And I'm like, well, I'm not that far along yet. Like, I'm not really sure, but I just have, I, there's a fire in my soul. Like, I, I know that this was meant for me, but I'm not really sure yet. And then she's like, okay, well, whatever, like figure it out. And, and, and I know that she definitely means well. And I kind of joke with her. I'm like, wow, like, thanks for the, you know, the vote of confidence. And she goes, well, you need to give me a reason to be confident. I'm like, all right, fair, fair enough. I'm still working it out. Uh, but but I, I'm just saying that to, to your audience because I don't want to give this impression that everyone has this really clear vision. Most people don't. It, it's a work in progress. But if you don't move, right, if you don't have the courage, you will never discover it. Like, it doesn't just fall in your lap. It, it, it is a work in progress. It gets formed, it gets shaped, it gets molded in the process of being in action. A hundred percent, super well said. And, and I a hundred percent agree. We really often only know the, the one step ahead of us. If we're in a, in a terrible space and depressed and hate everything, just get through that day. It's a win. Don't be hard on yourself. If you're moving right. towards something you're, you're passionate about, start with doing a little research, a, a brainstorming, some curiosity, a little bit of action here and there. And then for you, it's like you have this inner feeling and so many people have it, but you've now engaged and got to another step. And you're like, you know what? If I got here, that ability starts to expand. Like in my yeah. snowboard, when I first started, um, it's great for me to turn. That was my first goal. Then I hit a jump and now I'm okay. Well, you know, I'm going to be able to do a double backflip one day. It's like, well, you That's can't cool. even do one backflip right now. It's like, but I know I can't, it's going to get there. And so, right. you know, if we give ourselves 10 year dedication to anything, like if you have no musical talent whatsoever, you've never played um, the piano, which is like one of the hardest instruments and you practice two hours a day for 10 years, you can be pretty damn good in 10 years. And I have heard mm -hmm. it's pretty hard to learn that even as an adult, but let's just say it, or guitar or something else, you know? Um, 10,000 hours. I think that's what they say, right? Yeah. You become very proficient if you put 10,000 hours. Into yeah, exactly. Craft. And so, you know, if you're putting that toward your vision and you're just doing what you can, um, you want to be a writer, you just write a little bit each day, but that's even, even visionaries, they have this, this goal, but it's going to take them years to get there. And they start by taking the step you know, I know this is possible 10, 20 years. I've been sharing this story recently. I got to find it because I remember reading it a long time ago, but apparently one guy in like the middle East somewhere, somewhere, I don't know exactly, but 
there's two villages and they were separated by a mountain or something. And he like chiseled mm -hmm. uh, the way through the mountain and made a road over like a Whoa. 40 or 50 year time span. You know what I mean? By and then himself? It, by himself. Yeah, basically. One man? Yeah, oh one man. They just, he just hardcore. Yeah, right? The most hardcore. So he's just like, yeah, I'm going to go chisel this, this set of a gun down. And so imagine you put 40 years, right? And it just needs to be a direction. Just take that step, right? Navigate life because it's going to, life is a, going to throw you curveballs every single day. It's never going to be exactly safe or perfect most of the time. Um, so navigate that but keep chipping away at the things that you're passionate about because over time it's going to become more clear and your vision's going to grow with your capabilities, yeah. with your skills, right? Like if right. you built one business up, you're going to be able to do it again. If you've built mm -hmm. a skill in one thing, you're going to be able to build it over here. You're going to know the time, effort, dedication, mindset, uh, perseverance it's going to take. So um, this has all been fantastic. I want to ask too, and ch chime in on that if you want, but I want to ask, make sure I ask about ownership and self-trust, the conclusion, because I think that that, is such an important piece. Ownership and self-trust. Let's start with ownership. So ownership is, as the name implies, taking responsibility for your choice. And that is so important to, to take on because when we don't take ownership, if we don't take responsibility for the choices we make, then we actually give power away to other people. We give power away to our circumstances. And the reality is no matter what's going on in your life and whatever the circumstances are, no one can take the no one can take away your power to choose and how you respond, how you react to something. And and something that that popped up in my head as you were speaking about, you know, coding the craft and putting 40 years into digging a, a tunnel or whatever, whatever this goal may be. I was thinking that definitely applies to, to careers, uh, skill sets, those, those type of things. But there's something in my personal opinion that's even grander, so to speak, is the man or woman that you become in that process. Who do you wanna become? Who would you be proud of? What, what kind of mark, what kind of legacy do you wanna leave because you lived on this earth? And that is a day-to-day, moment-to-moment type of chiseling that when you set that intention, that commitment, let's say, for example, you want to be generous, like generosity. You're like, I'm really stingy. I'm always fearful. I don't want to pay for nobody's meal. Like that's just how I do things, but I would love to be generous. I, I, I want to be that kind of person. Well, then it starts with one decision at a time. You may not always pay for your friend's food because you think they're always like mooching off of you. But every once in a while, you may be like, hey, guys, drinks on me, right? Or dinner's on me. You're flexing your generosity. Like you're flexing that part of development that will come over time. And, and so when that's clear as to who you want to become, you can then evaluate your decisions kind of back to the values. Are you becoming more and more that way? Like when I, when I speak this way, if I want to be more loving, like when I communicate this, is this a loving way to do it or is it not? If it's not, okay, I can work on that, which I have a whole chapter on rebounding, which is kind of getting back to choosing again because it's never too late to make a better choice. Um, now I'm really getting off topic, but back to ownership. So, so ownership and, and self-trust, they, they go together, right? Because with ownership, which is taking responsibility for your choice, then you are really taking the power back and saying, hey, 
regardless of what happens, I'm in charge of how I respond. And then you start trusting yourself that you're a shot caller, that you're someone that follows through, follows through with what they say and do. And, and there's nothing that will crumble your self-trust quicker than when you become this uh, kind of inconsistent person. Like you say one thing, but then you get kind of lazy, right? You get tired, so then you don't follow through on that. And when you become someone that's not a, a man or woman of your word, then at some point you stop trusting yourself. Like you're not even sure if you're going to do it. Like you say like, yeah, I'm going to do this. And you're like, BS, you're not going to do that. Let's, let's be real. And those thoughts start coming in, like kind of on the autopilot. They're like, are you kidding, man? You can lie to your mom, but you can't lie to yourself. You're not going to do that. And then you just start doubting, right? So I think seeds of doubt are planted when we live out of integrity. But then how do you live in integrity? Well, you take ownership. You take ownership of the decisions you make. And as a byproduct, self-confidence and self-dignity build as a result of it. Amazing. 100% true. I love that. And it, again, it's, it's so simple, but, but often can be very challenging to, to put into practice. And um, I know that through my life, I, I've seen that. I've seen that through the work experiences, the friends, the travels that I've had where people really suffering are just often out of integrity in, in, in multiple yeah. ways. Um, sure. And at least if you're in integrity, you have inner peace. It's like, how mm -hmm. do I have inner peace and enlightenment? Don't do things that are out of your integrity. And if you exactly. are doing that, stop doing that now and, uh, you know, ask for forgiveness in whatever way you want, you know, make it up. If you just, you know, uh, screwed over your buddy a thousand bucks, probably pay him back. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, you know, mind blowing idea, yeah, yeah. right? Make and then things right. Yes. Make things right. Yeah. And then look for opportunities to do the opposite, to support. And I just say, it's like life affirming, like look for ways to encourage, to uh, support, to help. And, you know, you're going to have a much different feeling in your body, much more integrity and uh, your vision will grow with what you want to do for yourself because you're going to be in a different energy. The, the energy to kind of like um, rip people off and depress and like just get by or do like, uh, you know, it's a bad way to say, it, but say meaningless work. You're like, I don't give a shit about my job. A lot of people do that. Well, if you're in that and you have meaningless work, that, that kind of um, apathy yeah. is going to go into other parts of your life. And Absolutely. there are other ways to make income that might be more um, of contribution to the planet and more aligned with who you are. You just got to start looking, right? Because if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Just as you have your regular job, just spend like half an hour just searching for other jobs and, and, and write it down, see what aligns with you, um, write down your values. And as you do this, you're doing the next step and the universe responds. The universe will respond, but it's not going to respond by you doing nothing. You know, and so I just say, don't give it a goose egg, you know, don't give it a zero, give it a little bit. And over time, you're going to change your full direction. Um, you know, this has been wonderful. I think all of this is, is so uh, helpful and uh, simple and practical and true. Um, is there anything that you wish that I'd asked you or that you want to discuss before we close it up? I just want to mention that even the lack of inner peace is a gift. We're trying to avoid this like turmoil or guilt or whatever it is that's a gift. It's telling you that something is not right. And without that signal, you wouldn't make it right. And at the end of the day, when you make it right, you're the one that is blessed. And then you are the one that becomes a blessing as a result of that change. So even the quote unquote negative feelings, they're only negative if you get no purpose from it. 
But if you're able to extrapolate the meaning of, okay, what is it trying to tell me and what can I do with it? Oh, even, even the things that feel bad have a purpose that can turn your life around only if you'll let it. So I just want to comment on, on that last thing you said. But otherwise, I, I think we ran through a lot of the, the basic things. Of course, there's a lot more golden nuggets in, in, in my book, Choose Better. I'm hoping people pick it up because I think it can change people's lives. Yeah, I love that. And the last comment about, uh, you know, the lack of inner peace, it's kind of like putting your hand on the stove, you know, it's like hot. So yeah. take it off. As I'm like teaching my, you know, 15 month year old daughter, I was like, stop trying to touch this. It's going to hurt you. Right. I was like, all right. Yeah. Like yesterday she wanted to walk in the snow barefoot. She's a barbecuing wants to be out there and she's experiencing the cold, you know, so mm -hmm. it's giving her the signal. I got to go inside now and put on the jacket that mm -hmm. I won't let dad put on. I was like, fine, you bum. We're going outside. She's cold. Go. And you know, yeah. yeah. So I let her, she's like, wants on the ground is yelling at me. I'm like, all right, here you go. You know what I mean? And then she's like, oh, cool. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> back in, want the cry. jacket now? Yeah, yeah you exactly. want the jacket now? Yeah. So it's the same process for adults, it seems. You know what I mean? But we can be a it little is. bit more stubborn. Um, you know, this has been great. I appreciate you. I encourage people to check out your website and your book. If they want to dive uh, deeper, where should they go? Well, there's a lot of different... Uh, things that I'm doing right now. So if you want the latest, want to connect with me, you can go on my professional website at www.timyen.com. And I also created an Instagram page, Choose Better Consulting is the handle where I actually take different quotes from the book, but I give you the, the insider scoop behind some of these nuggets in hopes that it brings value to your listeners, to your audience. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you for coming on the show. I appreciate your work. Uh, thank you everybody for listening. Uh, make sure to go to Matt Belair, sign up for the email list, become a member because censorship is real. Um, the coaching group has started. So if you guys want to check out the new coaching group, um, just go send me an email, matt at zenathlete.com, leave a review and all that kind of good stuff because yeah, it's a, it's a battle out there these days. I appreciate you. I appreciate Tim for coming on. Um, thanks so much and having a great evening. Peace.